back, like between, I had to, uh, like meetings, uh, co- like conference calls. I'm a, I'm the board president for Hill the Hood Milwaukee. So we had to do that. I had, I managed five artists. So we had our team meeting. Um, <laughs> right. I have to, yeah. I have to help host an open mic that I used to host. I'm doing it virtually for the 20th anniversary. I had to go record for a friend's project today. Like, it was just like a whole bunch of just like. Oh, yeah, he was, he was having a good day, though. That's a good I one, had man. like 30 minutes of like a nap, like of sleep, right. So I'm just, uh, yeah. I'm on the struggle bus right now, but <laughs> yeah. I, I like so doing good. That's why I was like, Ramon, I can, I can give you like 45 minutes if you, if you want me to come on, but. <laughs> yeah, so man, I got to call my little man right after this, so. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even imagine being a parent. Like, shout out to all of y'all, because I'm, <laughs> I'm probably like, do you know how to take care of yourself? Are you good? Can you take this one Man. day? My son's mom be texting me like his ass stank. He won't get in the shower. <laughs> I'm just like, oh. I just tried to warn her about that teenage boy smell. He getting there. Feels like it's never ending. <laughs> <laughs> well, you better buy this little nigga some grown man deodorant ASAP. <laughs> like, <laughs> or just, you know, just throw the hose on him. Like, hey, yeah. just, yeah. You, you in the kitchen? <laughs> <laughs> Get him. Just douse me! Shut up. You didn't tell me Brett was going to be. Oh, you- no, one, no one needs to know that I'm going to be part of this. I'm nobody. Come on now. I'm excited to see you guys. I get, we got a real life celebrity in here. I am very Ooh. excited. Ooh. <laughs> who's, the, who's the celebrity? Because it ain't me. My lord. I'm just a nobody. I am no celebrity. That sounds good. And, look, and we got Justin Classic Holly up in the building. The man good, with the best good, beard good. on the planet. How you doing, man? No, oh, man, I had to cut it down. You winning now. Yeah, I, I was going to say, man, I ain't going to lie to y'all. Be, you know, I'm just saying between. Billy and Justin, I mean, y'all beard is on point, but I'm fighting. I'm literally right between now. two beards. My life is complete on this Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, my. So there's. Dang, I just had to chop him down. No, I messed my whole neck up testing out new clippers. Wow. God bless you, God bless you for testing that out and, and being a man yeah. and doing it. I still haven't been able to touch it. So. <laughs> do y'all use Do y'all use certain oils for y'all beard? I, I'm trying out a bunch of different ones. I use um, this stuff by S Curl. I use this uh, other called uh, um, this like drop stuff that keep it healthy. Then I use um, I started using some stuff from Harry's just like yesterday. That smell good. Pretty nice. I use uh, Jamaican castor oil. That's all that or, or coconut oil. And that's it. Yeah. yeah, coconut oil is dope too. Yeah. Uh. I <laughs> <laughs> to get out the shower and let it dry. You know there you go, Ramon. Like that's it. Just, just do whatever works for you. Just savage, Aboriginal ass beard. <laughs> <laughs> Not Aboriginal. <laughs> she came with a rain stick and a kangaroo. <laughs> Man, hey. So guess what I did? All right, so. Uh, I won't have events until June, but I was like, you know what? I'm gonna try out that Cut Buddy. When I was a member, I was in town. Yeah, line me up. Yeah, I, I was like, because I always cut my own hair, but I'm gonna see how the Cut Buddy works. Because I trust me, you see this here, man. It's <laughs> it's like I, it's almost it's very chia pet, but I didn't put enough water and seeds on top. 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, oh. sick sack. <laughs> you remember those commercials? Oh, they used to just freak me out. <laughs> yeah, hey, speaking of freak me out, I remember. It, okay, so it's bad enough. I live on 39th and Center. That's paranoid enough. You know, used to have me scary. Remember that uh video that da da dee da dee da. I don't whatever song that was Crazy in the nineties. That video used to freak me out and it. That's why I'm scary. I, I don't I don't do scary anything. I'm trash. I'm trash. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with not liking horror shit. That's, that's just everybody no. I treat no, I scary movies I treat scary movies the same way like overly spicy food, right? Because when you overly you're not really getting the flavor tasting the food, right? Like super hot anything so when it comes to scary movies when you watch a good scary movie it's going to require people have to collectively be stupid like it's like <laughs> it's like everything coronavirus the only reason this is a scary movie is people are stupid and make dumb decisions if if, if that wasn't the case it wouldn't be a scary movie you know what i'm saying that's why something like get out probably somewhat people probably get it like get out just enough to say Okay, I can see how this might be plausible. Not like near the end with everything going on, but how those things can be plausible, just on a on a level surface of shit happening. But like when you watch other things and it'd be like the dumb, it's just like yo, what? That's why I enjoy movies that kind of break the fourth wall to actually like relate to the people. It's kind of like how Jim is on The Office. When dumb dumb things happen, Jim just look at the camera like, yes, like I love that. Like you talking to the audience. Like I, I think that's just genius shit. But anyway, man, how you doing, Billy? Man, I look it. I know Justin. You know you got to show off the uh, headband and, and got the Nike. And then I see Billy. You you stay swole out in the streets. And me, I'm just I'm living. So you know how how's the workout been for you? It's been a it's, it's been good, man. I've been uh I, I've been I work I, I I'm fortunate that I work for Nike. And one of our big things that we're doing now is play inside. Uh, so. I took that to heart, right? Like I uh, built my gym downstairs in my basement, just trying to figure out different ways to stay active. I've had to challenge myself as far as like pushing what is uh, what is working out and what is being in shape to me. So I started running. Like I have not ran since since high school, right? And so I started running this month, and um, I'm proud to say I, I've, I've ran 40 miles so far, which is something I'm excited about. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I, I started incorporating running and doing some gym workouts in my basement. So just trying to figure out ways to stay stay active. As far as your wool comment, I got a long way to go. I like, it's so funny when people say that because I still see myself as extremely skinny. So I'm always trying to work to become better. Yeah, I think that people tend to forget like the mental aspect of it is insane. That's like 2015 when I lost all that weight, I didn't really think of myself like still the same old big dude. I was, but it was just like, I was still that small and still weighed over 300 pounds, right? So for me, I always, you just didn't realize how small you got until you get big again. It's like, oh shit, I was really that small, you know? Yeah. Um, but the unfortunate part is, it's such a myth. Like you said, you've all, you still view yourself as just a skinny kid that you always, you know, and I think that kind of creates insecurity. Same thing with, with anyone. Anything you do better, and if it's no different, if, if you grew up in a rough childhood and a rough lifestyle, and you finally make it and have all this money, you're paranoid just based off of everything you've been through. You feel like nothing changed outside of you just got more money, 
right? This is this just looks better. This feels better. And I felt the same way. And so I like I and I was still even you know you work out for the mental. I was still just going to work, hating my job. Like I was I was scared of my I was strong enough, but I was even more scared of my own anger just because you don't know when you're gonna flip out and everybody look at you all skinny and swole and they wonder like yo he might really fuck something up. And I really had to fight through that. And so interesting enough, so I ended up getting in a relationship and then, you know, relationship stuff. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, you're, it just, you're, you're so right, Ramon. And when you talk about mental, like for me, I, at the beginning of the story, right? Like I share that I haven't ran since high school. So you got to think, you know, in your thirties, I haven't ran for 15 years and my first run, I, it was such a mental struggle for me, like trying to run a mile, because the last time I ran, running a mile was nothing. That was easy. But now, like, running a mile is a real struggle. And, you know, you put on muscle. Like, I put on muscle mass, and I have good size uh, for that. And that's a different mental thing that I'm going through. But my first time really running, I had to get over mental obstacles where I was legit scared. Like, I was legit scared. I was fearful. I thought my heart, like... I thought I had heart problems. I went to the doctor and got an EKG hooked up to me last year because I, I had heart issues that I had thought. But it was so, I was so fearful to get back into shape. And it, it still hurts me sometimes when I'm running. Like, I'm like, man, do I really want to do this? Should I be out here? This is hard, this is tough. But it's just something that uh, you, you have to stick with doing. And then on the, on, the, on the muscle part, dude, you're 100% right. For me, the gym, and this is crazy, when we talk about working out, like the gym has helped me become mentally stronger. Like, nobody likes going to the gym. Like, if we're, if we're going to commit to it, ain't nobody really like going. If you really go to the gym and do what you're supposed to do, it's not fun. Like, you're beating your body up. That's not fun. But what that has helped me do is, like, take on that challenge every single day has helped translate to what I do at work, right? It's what helped translate to what I do as a father. That's helped translate to what I do as a leader in my job, right? And, and being able to take on that challenge mentally has helped me overcome goals for me personally. So the gym has definitely been much more than just a physical reward. It's helped my mental, which at the end of the day, you can look as good as you want to look physically. That all that could change in a minute. But if you're mentally strong, that's what lasts. And um, that's what I've been blessed with mentally. So that, that's why I love the gym so much. Well, and I, I worked at a gym a little bit. And it's interesting, people coming in and out, be able to chop it up, learn some things, talk to a few trainers, is I feel like there's a failure on – how gyms like the perception of what gyms should be to people because okay now that working out is a thing and you everything it, it's an industry like it's no different than uh it was three floors so you go on the third floor and you're doing cardio you're doing a stair master you're doing elliptical you're doing a treadmill you still have on like besides the time and the, these ads you still see these ads pushing for if you want more beauty get this type of surgery and you know you, you insecurity yeah. sells yeah right so basically you're in the gym running like i'm gonna lose all this weight and this thing saying man just get this liposuction call this number like <laughs> so you're saying thing like and, and and also too what i think what has happened to so many other people is you have the extreme the, the extreme gym people who they're doing things like okay let me do pull-ups at the same time while I'm doing pull-ups, I'm going to have somebody punch me in my ribs to show how strong I am by doing pull-ups. And what I think sometimes that does to people that might see that on social media is like, wow, that's amazing, but I can't do that. Why should I go to the gym? You know, like Instead of looking at, hey, I was fortunate to be a part of this program here in Houston, and it's helping small businesses. 
uh, black small, small businesses. And uh, one of the people, one of the people, one of the individuals that I was able, that I got to know a little bit, she, um, she's opening uh, something around, uh, she's a, she has a kinesiology degree, is that how you say it? And everything that they was teaching was based off of training your body when it comes to doing the everyday your everyday things. Think about it. Most people that work a job and work in a cubicle, a lot of our lives are required for sitting down, getting up, and things like that. And you can feel the aches and pains of your body, or you know, just doing the little things. And I always based of how I work out or I'll eat is like, if I able to have an event and I'm doing a five hour wedding and I get there two hours before I'm setting up and I do the wedding and I go out there dance we have a good time spend all the energy doing this and then I have break down for an hour or two and I do it to pull all this shit in my truck and then go home and go home still have energy it's like wow that was great it's no you know what I mean like that to me is very important to people to to most the majority of people now you guys some you know you got people work out and do things and it's a, it's a lifestyle it's a addiction to a lot of people to work out and be very physically fit and figure out goals from there but I think if you can sell the idea that you can do this too, and if your job requires you walking around all day or lifting boxes, working warehouses, we have the things for you to get through that, right? So it don't put this unnecessary pressure and fuck with people mentally deep like they can't do it, you know? Like, cause it literally everything is, is a mental, it's a game. It's a, it's, it's a, it's an uphill battle. And I, I, I noticed that talking to a lot of people where it's like, that's why people give up after the first week. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, huh, yeah. what you about to say, my bad? Completely aligned with you, brother. Like, well said. Uh, so I, I have as many people here as possible. Uh, we have Britt, she's gonna be here for about 45 minutes, with about a half an hour now, So, um, this I think this is gonna be great because this one will be expressed through and about mental health. I think, um, that is the Oop. Oh no. Oop. Oop. Lord, Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. <laughs> oh, was that me? Oh, I'm... That was you. That was you. Did I freeze? Yeah. You did. You did. You did. Doing a robot. It's all right, fam. It's all right. It's all right. We won't hold it against you. Thank you. I appreciate y'all. So, what the thing about me? The thing, <laughs> the thing about Should me, uh, the, the most interesting thing about mental health is we all feel like we all want to approach it like any other challenges in our life, right? Like we're talking about physically working out. Look, like you can go in the gym every day and work out. You have your pecs look better, your, your, your biceps look better. And you're like, wow, that might, I physically look and feel better. But then sometimes you feel like you could do the same thing when it comes to your anxiety or uh, some of the, the mental and emotional issues you go through, and then a week later, all that shit comes back, yeah. right? And so um, this is more of just a, a, a lighter discussion and um, trying to figure out the roles, as, you know, and the, the things that uh, we try to do to move forward. This is more of an informational uh, aspect of, you know, just able to exchange and talk about these things and really just open up on a level to help others and extend the hand. So... I'm going to start out with names, and so far we have the top left, so I'm going to go from Britt, I mean Justin, to Britt, to Billy, to me, to Ant, to Nat, all right? And uh, like I said last time, uh, Billy, I told everyone else that, uh, you know, uh, I want to get everyone an opportunity to say as much as they can. Uh, it's not like you have to raise your hand or anything. 
uh, I just want everybody to get an opportunity to um, say as much as they can and be as informationable as possible and just really get a chance to feel comfortable in here. So I'll start out with Justin. Excellent. All right. Um, what you want to know specifically? Um, oh, just, just introduce yourself. Uh, other oh, okay. Uh, my name's Justin. Uh, is that good? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, 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 like your name or what you do and just, um, yeah, just so far name what you do and things like that. All right. Um, my name is Justin. Uh, I'm a go by class. I'm, I'm a rapper. I'm a barber. Uh, a father. Uh, just all around cool, light skinned nigga. All right, that's a good start. You know what I'm all right, Britt. Um, hello. Um, I'm Britt Nicole. I'm a creative spoken word artist. Um, avid in the community, change agent, whatever. Hi. <laughs> All right, Billy. Hey guys, I'm Billy McCullum. Uh, loaded question, what are you? I don't even know how to answer that. Uh, I guess first and foremost, I'm a father, uh, a husband. Uh, for work, I'm a, uh, um, I'm a director for Nike on the retail side. I direct our uh, stores in the, in the Midwest. Um, and uh, a, a gym advocate, I, I like going to the gym. So I, I think those are the probably four most important things about me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what happened, but yeah, my bad. So weird. All right. You in Texas, uh, that's what happened. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, uh, Ant? I am uh, Anthony Buchanan, otherwise known as Cardiac the Pulse. I am an artist. I am a father. I am a grown-ass man. I am an EKG tech for Freighter Hospital. Um, yeah, a lot of things of that nature type shit. Yeah. Creative artists, let's just throw all that in there. Let's there you extras, go. Extras. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Nat. Mm, my name is Natalie, or Nat. Um, I'm a new mom. I have a four month old. I'm brand new adventure. Um, and I'm an event coordinator. And most of my events are for nonprofits in the Houston area. But um, bigger nonprofits like uh, American Heart Association, MD Anderson, Memorial Hermann. Uh, and um, yeah, that's pretty much it. It's like my job is huge and my life is huge. And those are like the two things that are me. And I'm in Houston too. All right. I'm Ramon Dixon. Y'all know who this is. Uh, Blue? <laughs> <laughs> What's up, everybody? Um, I'm uh, I'm based in uh, L.A., Lancaster, right now, California. Um, I am a spiritual business coach for entertainers, but anybody. But I focus on entertainment. I was an actor um, for a couple years, so I'm very passionate about the entertainment industry. Anybody with a passion, I'm passionate about. Thank you. All right, here. Are you on mute? 
Hey, how's it going? Uh, name is Hayward Crawford. Uh, I am a filmmaker, financial coach. I'm actually here in Los Angeles, uh, original Detroit, Michigan native. Um, I was invited by Blue. Um, and yeah, I just pretty much help uh, ordinary people create extraordinary films and help ordinary creatives create extraordinary finance. So uh, thanks, Blue, for inviting me out and excited to learn more about the mental. We need more of this. So. <clears throat> All right, Rich. Yo, what's going on? My bad. Uh, I'm, I'm late and shit. Uh, <laughs> my name is Rich. Um, I am based in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I was uh, invited by Mom, and um, I'm really interested in hearing what kind of topics you know we touch on today. All right. So I want to start out with uh, since it's obviously. Um, Mental health is one of the toughest things for anyone to ever discuss in the history of mankind, right? I, I, like, I feel like it is, it's flowing under the surface way too, far too long. Uh, depending on your upbringing, depending on things you've seen, the things you've been through, I feel like, you know, every day we fight to be resilient and move forward. But in the process, the things we tend to forget, those things tend to never really leave us and catch us catches up with us, catches up with us later. <laughs> so, um, but with that being said, I want to know when it comes to social media, uh, what role does social media come plays when it comes to dealing with mental health and also um, what are the things that you do to not let it overwhelm you? Because, it, you know, it's, it's part of our everyday lives. You know, we always want to know What's going on we want to be connected we want to feel connected but it can affect us in so many different ways when we're chasing for likes we're chasing for comments we're trying to promote something that we're trying to do we're trying to mm. um connect with people that we know and obviously it's a place where people that you probably know who wants to put things on social media like things is good and you really know them for real it's like no it's not but they feel like they need to to feel better about themselves. So I'm, I'm going to start the other way. Now I'm going to start with, actually, I'm going to start with, yeah, I'm going to start with Rich. How, how do you feel, how social media play a role and how do you let it, not let it overwhelm you? Um, I feel like uh, social media plays a huge role in like a lot of how people feel on a daily basis, more so now than anything else for the simple fact that, you know, you only see people's best life on uh on social media so by design um most times you compare that to your own life you know what i'm saying like you got a lot of people that do do that um one way that i uh kind of handle it is i check in i might make a post you know what i mean and then i, I hop right back out you know what i mean i don't do too much scrolling because a lot of times uh even if you don't see anything that, you know, might make you mad or something like that, you might see, you know, uh, uh, a disturbing video. You know what I'm saying? You might see a bunch of different things that affect your emotional state differently, you know, and you can't really control it sometimes because a lot of that shit you really don't even know you're passionate about or you don't even know that you care about until you see it. You know what I mean? So, one way that I usually handle it, I get on there, I probably post my music or something funny or some 
inspirational or insightful, and then I'll get out. I think it's the fear of missing out that a lot of people have, like, they got to see what's going on, you know what I mean? And then at the end of the day, that it really don't make no difference to your life, you know what I'm saying? You can be gone for like a month, and then you come back. And it ain't really, ain't, ain't shit changed. You know what I'm saying? You got people on there, they still flexing. You know what I'm saying? Still capping. You know what I mean? Big cap. Capping? Big caps. <laughs> Big caps. All right. Uh, how about you, Hayward? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think it was uh, Rich. You kind of hit the nail on the head. Uh, I kind of learned to emotionally detach, especially from Facebook. I mean, I see a lot of us are millennials around here. You know, we were on Facebook early days, like the 2004, 05. I don't know if you remember <laughs> pre, pre-made Facebook statuses. Oh, man. Like, you is at the, the library. The college was, email? Yeah, exactly. You <laughs> the college email. That's so, right. of course, all our parents, the old heads, are on it now. So I've been on it like 13 years. So to me, I'm just emotionally detached from it. And I treat social media guys like my business partner. The richest point, I post and I don't scroll, all right? And basically, of course, you know, I, I do like a combination of like inspirational stuff, stuff about my business and things I'm up to. And of course, for some people, you gotta just throw up, you know, I fall for it. You gotta just throw up like a silly meme, just some stupid of a cat, you know, you get a few likes. Cause you, you know, people need like a little bit of everything. But yeah, I definitely don't see it as something I need validation from. Like, I get it. I put one post and it get a bunch of likes, 60, 70. Now I get another one, you know, just yesterday got like two. But I'm just kind of emotionally detached from it because part of it is running a business for me. And, you know, of course, connecting with family and friends, you throw up, you know, personal stuff too. But yeah, I just don't let the validation get to me because I was on, some of us were on Facebook before there was even a like, or it was even a like, a comment, a heart. So it's like, I'm not going to trip about it anymore. I'm kind of just posting and I, you know, leave. And, you know, of course, you got to, you know, put stuff out there to, you know, inspire other people. So, yeah, I treat it like a business partner, you know, basically. So, so uh, I know that um, it's not a chronological order anymore, but Hayward, <laughs> afterwards, I need to meet up with you because I need to learn how to create a status where I get 70 likes. Because uh, you know, uh, I post something. I'm like, oh, I got it in my bag, and then you go check, and nobody liked anything. You're like, I'm talking to myself. Anyway, uh, so, <laughs> all right, Blue. Um, so, you know, so honestly, the first thing that came to my head when you when you asked, um, I was like, you know what, what, what? How do how do we define mental health as just like people? Because you know what's interesting about the two answers so far, it's about detaching us emotionally from something. Um, and you know, the question to my head gums, is that combating mental health? You know, like what is mental health? Is it, is it that feeling that we do get? Cause Rich, you, you brought up, that, that was a good point about FOMO. People do get mad FOMO off of social media and it does create emotional disturbances, but is that mental health or, you know, like, you know, so one when you when you asked the question, I was like, "Oh man, this is this is like big for me," um, because how I how I look at it is, you know, um, 
I like what Hayward said. He, he said, um, I treat it like a business partner. That was the first time I heard it like that. I like that. <laughs> um, and I say that because, you know, being somebody who's a, like, like a business coach person, we look at so all social media as um, just as like, it's marketing, you know, it's, it's, it's the new marketing, you know, it was radio and TV. Now we're, now we're on the social media platforms. So if we can look at it that way, you can actually just use social media. It's just another way to express yourself, but who you truly are, you know, and, uh, you know, speaking to what Hayward said, combine, like treating as a business partner. To me, I look like, like how I coach people. Your life, our life is our business. Like we don't, when people separate it, I think that, that, you know, uh, that feeling of Ugh, can happen. It's like, well, I got to, I need a work life balance. It's like, well, isn't your work, your life, isn't your life, your work, you know? Um, so that's just, that's just one way to look at it. Um, but to answer your question of like, um, how is it, how is it related? I think that a lot of people do a lot of bashing on social media. I think that the trolling thing is a real thing. You know what I'm saying? So these are the things I say isn't adding to it, but that's just a bad person being a bad person. I don't know if y'all follow this dude. His name is Gary V, but he talks about it all the time. He's like a big, big social media dude. And when people come on his channel and trolls him, he says, what do you do? You feel empathy for that person because that person has to be sitting on their phone. <laughs> they have to look at your content that's 30 minutes to an hour and then go, I don't like it. They could have stopped that one minute and a half. <laughs> so, so he says, like, he's like, feel bad for them. So how, how does it affect it? Big ways, a lot of trolling and stuff just stills happen in humanity, period, and it gets translated heavy through social media. That part don't like too much. But the counter to that is, you know, look what we're doing with um, media right now. This can go and somebody can hear something and, and get inspired from it and go, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to get FOMO no more. I'm not going to uh, treat social media as something separate from my business. I'm going to treat it as my business. Or, you know, somebody can watch this and do that. So it could be very inspirational and helpful at the same time. Um, so that's the long, short answer. <laughs> All right. Uh, what up, Aisha? Uh, Aisha, introduce yourself, who you are, what you do, uh, where you live in, the way you breathe, what's your favorite food gospel? So, yeah, all that stuff. Um, I'm tired, y'all. I just got for it. <laughs> um, my name is Aisha. I am a scientist slash artist. Um, scientist by day, artist by night. And I'm, I'm here. Uh, so my day I want to, I'm going to jump to Britt because I know she's limited on time. But real quick, since we're talking about uh, mental health, and um, the role we let social media play when, it, you know, mental health and how we not let it overwhelm us. And since you are the social media expert, I would like to ask you, Aisha, about social media, um, the role it plays in your life and how we not let it overwhelm us. Ask me? So, yeah, Aisha, yeah, yeah, my bad. You said I'm the social media expert? Yeah, you love social media. Shit. <laughs> 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 um... Like what is what role does it play in my life? Yeah, and 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 how do you not let it overwhelm you? How it affects your mental health? Please. <laughs> how do I not let it overwhelm? Me? I'm still working on that, um, actually. Um, 
I don't know. I just have to put it in perspective on a daily, a lot of times. Um, for me, um, I get stuck in wanting to produce content and kind of be like a performing monkey for social media. And I need to realize that I, I don't have the time for that. And I don't have, I'm just not made for that. <laughs> just to, you know, be a, I'm not a, as an artist, I'm not a, I'm not a print making machine. I'm not just here to just make stuff so I could put it out so people can like it and move on with their lives. Like I'm here to make art and to build a, a name for myself, a business and ultimately a legacy. So a lot of times I just have to get out of my feelings and just be like, okay, am I doing this? Because I think that if I post this, it will get likes or get attention or whatever, or am I posting this, or am I doing this because I actually want to and I love to. So that's a constant balance. Um, but like I told you before, Ramon, if it wasn't for art, I wouldn't have social media. So social media does do a lot to my mental health because I don't like it <laughs> at all. But, um, it's a necessary evil for me, so, yeah. Damn near for all of us now, necessary evil. Anybody that's an entrepreneur, low-key. Yeah. So, <laughs> social media expert. Uh. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting, everyone. Uh, I'm going to jump to Brent real quick, but uh, the, the biggest thing about social media is you're going to have people that you rock with, that you know, that you're familiar with, but you're more likely trying to introduce yourself to a bunch of people who don't know you at all and what ends up happening is you you feel like you spend more time trying to cater to them and make sure you move a certain way for people to understand you than the people that already know who you are and i think that can kind of that can create a lot of issues that's why i think that people who finally become famous you see the tweet or something they said seven years ago when they was wilding out and they have to answer for it now right you know, um, and that's why we said it's interesting when it comes to Instagram and Twitter, you can choose who you decide to follow. Facebook, the same thing, but unfortunately, a lot of people that's your Facebook friends is people that you've been around, you know, you went to high school with your friends and your family, and then you, you have to admit that sometimes they trash. And so you have to unfollow them secretly. Uh, I, you know, I know some people deal with having, being friends with people at the job, and you, gotta you have to uh, tread lightly when it comes to that. Yeah. Um, so, Britt, uh, how about you on this one? I think that we can't talk about um, mental um, wellness without also talking about emotional wellness. I think they kind of like coincide about how you feel. Um, I look at old memories, and I was a very emotional poster. <laughs> <laughs> the memories, boy. You be like, yo, I was really like this. I look back and I be like, I'm happy that people didn't give up on me back then because I'm like, whoever she was, we don't even need her around. Like, you know, the the fact that people stuck with me to now to see the like me evolve, that's great. So I I post with intentionality. If I wasn't an artist, I probably wouldn't be on Facebook as much or social media. Part, um, period. And because people have called me an influencer, and I didn't know that per se. Um, I didn't know that people were going to things because I said I was going to things or, you know, if I'm hosting something, 
you know, they wouldn't know about it. I didn't have a street team. So if I didn't post that, you know, oh, I have this open mic that I'm posting or whatever. And then all of a sudden you notice that nigga's not showing up because no one told them because I have to be the one to tell them. And so, you know, people are, then they look to me because I inspire others. Like people tell me on a regular what I do for them. And half the time I'm posting for me, it's not for nobody else. If somebody resonates with it, that's great. But I'm posting for my mental wellness. And so understanding the climate, so you might get something funny or like inspirational um, that I share. I found uh, in the memories of, you know, maybe three years ago, it's something that's fitting for the climate right now. And so you can manipulate those uh, those posts by making a comment and it just posts like it's, like you just posted it that day. No one's life checking. I'll be doing that shit. Just like when they be posting like satire, <laughs> when they be posting satire articles anyway, no one checks for that. They say, you know, RIP, that was five years ago, but they just caught on. <laughs> So now they want to go up here and make it seem like it's breaking news. So a lot of people don't have that etiquette too, social media etiquette. Um, I say fool, even fools have a platform. So and everyone has a following. So you're gonna get people who just want to hear themselves talk. They they find their value on your platform. I've seen people go to my posts just to oppose. Like, oh, I like this show. I don't really care for that show. Why couldn't you just keep scrolling? Why did yeah. you? Have you know, but they want to. They no, but they want to be seen and heard and valued so bad that they will ride the wave of your a platform because they know that people are following it just so they can go up here and feel like they belong. Because you know, and, and I've been I've noticed that like it plays on their emotion. Like if no one likes my stuff, was my post any good? Who cares if yeah. they like it? Mm. So for my sanity, like. I have almost 5,000 friends. I used to be at 5,000 all the time because of who I am, but I removed a whole bunch of people. And honestly, majority of people that are my friends on Facebook post really good stuff. Um, and a lot of stuff I don't see because so many people are always posting anyway that I will miss it unless you tag me. Um, so I don't, it, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me uh, when everyone is dealing with tragedy at the same time, like the whole thing with Kobe or something, you know, happens. And then everyone is like talking about it. That's when I have to take a break because I'm an empath. So I'm feeling everyone's stuff on top of mine. So I have to take a break. But I, I know my own triggers. When you know yourself, then you know how much time you should be spending. You know what I'm saying? Like, because social media is just connecting people. We're just connected. We A few of us are from Parkside. We met through Parkside. So we're friends because of that. But so that was our only common thing until we found out that, oh, some of us are artists or some of us did this. But if all we had was the school and then you start posting some out of pocket stuff, what is it to delete you? We only con was connected because of the school. We don't even go to the school no more. I don't need you. Like we, <laughs> like we good. You can, you're, not, you're not bringing no kind of value to me and vice versa. So I think people have to take a little bit more charge for their own personal wellness. And if you start seeing stuff that's plaguing you emotionally and mentally, then you need to do some cleaning because people, they shouldn't care so much if you delete them or not. I mean, there's a reason behind it. And you ain't, your only reason could be like, because I needed you to go. I choose me over you. It's social media. Like, don't let it put, like, don't let it plague your life like that. And this is coming from an artist who people put a lot of pressure on all the time. I don't care. I will, I will delete this account and you'll never see me on Facebook again. <laughs> Ever. I did that. <laughs> Not there yet, Asia. But if, when I do, when I do, it's a done one. I'm never coming back. So I yeah. deleted my shit off Facebook. I hate Facebook. Facebook is the devil. <laughs> um, it's the worst of them all. <laughs> I cannot. And I did that for my mental wellness because 
Facebook. I don't know. People like to show their ass extra on Facebook, and I can't. Yes, they do. I cannot. I, I wouldn't even have a Facebook if I was an artist. Like, to think about it, I was late to social media. Extremely late. I didn't want to be involved in this shit like that. The only reason why I got involved because niggas was starting to get deals from this shit. So I said, damn, nigga, I got to get on this shit now. It's the only <laughs> reason why. You know what I'm saying? Otherwise, I was fine being disconnected from all of this shit because it was, I mean, people are so insecure and you can see it. Like, it's just, it's coming through their posts, through their pores. You can see it and it impacts everybody. People are super emotional. People don't read posts that they post in. Like, nobody, the date is from like seven years ago and niggas exactly. think it just happened yesterday. Exactly. Like, bro, I saw a stimulus. A I saw a, a stimulus lot. check post uh, earlier today. Like, oh man, we getting new stimulus checks. Fucking post was from April tenth, bro. Oh, <laughs> is that saying, a bro. new thing? Is that a new thing? Because when I was on Facebook last time, that didn't happen. No, like they had it, memories, but like you could clearly see it was a memory. People just don't read. They don't. They don't. They don't. They don't read. They just look at the. They look at the headline and share that shit. And form they don't even. Whole, they don't even. Fact, they don't fact check or nothing. They just. They just post it. Form yeah, a yeah, whole that was opinion my, on that shit. I got off of Facebook during 2016 because of we know what happened in 2016 that fucking election and it was just rampant and I was like you know what, bye. I don't need this in my life. <laughs> Goodbye. So. Yeah. Uh, real quick, we had Lewis enter the room. Uh, introduce yourself, Lewis. Tell us what you do. And uh, yeah. Oh, you're on mute too. He's still talking. Okay. Alright, um, wait, 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 Lewis. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Alright, alright, alright. Restart because you was on mute. Oh, my fault. Okay. Uh, Lewis O'Neill. Um, I'm not an artist. Uh, just a postal carrier. Um, Shit sucks, uh, especially with this quarantine shit. Um, people are nasty. Uh, <laughs> all right, well, all right, uh, all right. Is, right now, uh, uh, Louis, what we just talking about social media, the role it plays in our lives, uh, affects our mental wellness. Thank you. I was trying to figure out the word kept saying it's all mental wellness and how it we don't let it overwhelm us. And uh, all right, so Natalie. Natalie, um, I'd like to say she really expressed something so interesting and opened up about something. I, I feel like it was dope because um, I know part of our wellness has to do with anxiety. Anxiety plays a major role. And so, uh, you know, uh, Natalie, how about you? Before I'm sorry, before Natalie starts, I got to yeah. get up out of here, y'all. I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. I got to go. Um, All right. Good to see you. Bye. Hey, Britt, before huh? you go. Before yeah. you go. Yes. All right, bye. <laughs> 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 really do. Have a good one, guys. You All right. right. Peace. Matt. <laughs> All, All right. right. So um, before moving on with anxiety and everything, I do want to piggyback on the social media stuff. I feel like with, you know, Facebook how it was before, it was a lot of fun. MySpace was a lot of fun. Like we were at an age where we could express ourselves. It was so different. And now we have to monitor so much of what we see, what we put on, because it's not just us on there. Like it's not just our friends on there from high school anymore. It's just like, here's my boss. Here's, 
you know, my grandma or my, or my mother-in-law. And unfortunately we have to like, it so much more than I feel like I would like to. I feel like I always have to be like, okay, if you're going to post this, let me know. If I'm going to post this, I'll let you know and, you know, make sure that it's okay with everybody or make sure that I don't see things that I don't want to. And it's so much more of, it's so much more work than it is fun anymore. And, you know, you see so much uh, FOMO and, you know, ridicule and people just posting crazy shit. And it's just like people obviously have time to do this. I don't. Um, so as for me and my social media, my Facebook, um, I'll post every once in a while just to kind of keep everybody like, hey, here I am. Um, other than that, work-wise, I do feel like I need to do a bit more. Because um, with event coordinating, I'm like, man, I work with video, I work with sound, I work with production and all this. And I want to, you know, put that out more. So I feel like I do have to work on that part. Um, but with social media evolving, I feel like we have to. Maybe not in the best way that we want to but it's almost um, a necessity. Um, but with anxiety, I was telling Ramon that I have been going to therapy since I was a kid. You know, I started in speech therapy from like elementary school and I told Ramon, I'm like, I had like the worst stutter when I was a kid. It was hilarious, it was kind of fucked up. So <laughs> I had a therapist and I had the best therapist. His name was, um, oh shit, what was his name? It was Derek. <laughs> it was so cool. And now I'm like drawing blanks. Um, not drawing blanks. Drawing up blank. But um, anyways, Poindexter. There you go. His name was Derek Poindexter. And he was my first. And he was just like the coolest fucking dude ever. And I feel like everybody should go to, to like a real therapist at least once in their life. Just to, just to experience like talking to somebody who knows nothing about you and you have the space just to kind of express who you are and to kind of tell them anything you want and they have no judgment and they kind of might help you and i've always dealt with anxiety but it wasn't like i'm sad anxiety it was like i have too much to fucking say you know it was like i'm all over the place someone put me you know let me focus um, so when Ramon asked me to do this, I was like, oh, dude, I have a lot of experience with mental health and therapists and exercises and kind of things that we realize we do for ourselves to keep ourselves mentally sane and emotionally sane. Because um, if we're not good, then we can't be good to our children, to our spouses, etc. So, yeah. All right, so we have a couple of new people in here. So uh, we first have Moon Sparkle. Uh, you'd like to introduce yourself? <laughs> and you're on mute right now, so just let you know. No, I'm just joining the group, seeing what's going on, connecting. It seems like a topic, so yeah. All right. And how about you? We have Oscar. What's going on, everybody? My name is Oscar Armando. I actually was invited. Uh, by Blue Lindsay, he said you guys were talking about mental health today, and uh, I actually grew up uh, caring for a couple people who uh, were what you would call uh, medically diagnosed with with the you know 
situations of like mental health uh, conditions and they're really close uh, people and so I just wanted to chime in and see what, what was going on today. <laughs> Thank you for having me on here. <laughs> oh yeah, no problem, no problem. And uh, so uh, just to kind of catch you up, right now we're just talking about social media and the role it plays for our, our mental wellness and how what we do and how we not let it overwhelm us. So we just had Natalie, we're gonna uh, cardiac, and What up? <clears throat> so uh, how about you, man? What's the question? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the social media yeah. and the role it plays yeah. to, you know, your mental wellness and uh, how you not let it overwhelm you. I don't let it overwhelm me by just simply cutting it off. I think everybody's kind of said stuff that I kind of do. Um, I try not to scroll too much because, you know, you will see some toxic, dangerous shit going through. Um. I don't know. I try to. St I'm on it because I'm an artist, and I have to be on it. But I try not to indulge too much. I know people who are on it for too many hours of the day, and you know, and it affects them in a way that I don't really want to be affected. Because I mean, that should make me. I could be upset at my my son for or something somebody said, or you know, like it's a lot of different. Things that can come from social media that I try, I try to stay away from. But um, I don't know, man. I, um, I think everybody's kind of said some of the things that I already do, and I said some stuff too when we were having the discussion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, how about you, uh, Billy? Yeah, man. Uh, some really, some really insightful things that everybody's already shared. I think uh, for me, it, when you ask the question, how do you deal with it, right? Like. I grew up in a in a place where I had a mother who said, "You you live in two worlds. You live in the world, and then you live in the in the world of spirits, right?" And so there's there's the spiritual warfare, and then there's the world warfare. But I think um, in our lifetime, we have this unique experience that a third world has has been introduced to us, and that's the world of social media. And the interesting about this world of social media is it's a curation of whatever we wanted it to be, right? So we curate this world, but also as we're as, as we're curating this world we have to understand that this world is, is make-believe, right? It's a make-believe world. And sometimes we're comparing what we've created in this third world to our real life. And we let that translate. We let that come over sometimes. And um, I think that's the part where it mentally, it mentally hits us, right? right? I'm always, uh, I mean, the average person, right? Good, bad, or indifferent. The average person is on social media two, to, two hours and 22 minutes a day, right? That's the stat. So the average people are on two hours and 22 minutes a day. Now, let me rewind you a little bit. I just told you, I just introduced new information to you. Two hours and 22 minutes a day. I introduced that. You don't know if I grabbed that out the air. You don't know where it came from, but I just mm -hmm. introduced that to you. And that's the danger of social media is that somebody's mm -hmm. introducing something to us consistently. And sometimes we're taking that as as scripture that translates over to the real world and it's sometimes hard to, to unblur those lines so for me the way that i try to deal with it is um i try to acknowledge it that it, it is a make-believe world and i can't and i and i try to separate myself from it i mean we started out our conversation today talking about working out and if you look at my instagram uh, and, and you said, hey, man, you always stuck on swole, right? Blah, blah, blah. And I, and I, 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 I disagree with this, right? That's not my, that's not my perception of myself. And, and part of the reason I disagree with this is because when I go to my Instagram, the first three pictures that I see are guys who just blow me out of the water and are just jacked, right? 
So now I'm, I'm constantly having these insecurities when I could be just, if you ask my, my wife, she's like, babe, you got a great physique. I love the way you look. But for me, I'm always chasing this idea of social media. Uh, and so um, I think I try to, I try my best and I fall victim to it as well. Um, but I try my best to separate, uh, uh, separate social media and understand that it's make-believe. Uh, but I, I would be lying to you and I would be naive to think that I'm an expert at doing that all the time. So I applaud the Asias of the world and the Brits of the world who have been able to disconnect and, and to really been able to separate that line because it is a dangerous line. And, and I think as black people, sometimes we, we, to Nat's point is the culture, we don't get the therapy to talk about it. Sometimes we just are consistently uh, just, just taking it on headstrong and like, Hey, this person is doing this and make believe world. My life should be like this. And, um, you know, it's just a constant battle that I'm always kind of figuring out and trying to navigate through. So, well, see, it's it really is unfortunate because um, I did the reason why this is so important because I did a podcast episode of this and I just talked by myself. But my biggest problem is we expect people to be resilient for everything, and I don't, I I don't think we, I don't expect someone to be as resilient to get through shit because if, if people was really that resilient to get through things this world would be a better place which means that people need help people need the ability to be comfortable to reach out and, and find that olive branch to to find what they need in order to get through with and I, I i'm a person where i feel like the struggle is overrated most people shouldn't go through what they have to go through in order to grow there's certain like i, I don't see if i get shot in my leg, I had to get my leg amputated. It's like, well, this happened for a reason. Like, yeah, I'm not dead, but that doesn't mean I had to go through this in order to learn a lesson. I don't see that. That's why I think the struggle's overrated. That's, I, I just feel that way. There are things that people have gone through in their lives where I don't feel like it was deserved or it should be excused to why it happened. I just feel like that shit should never happen in the first fucking place. I'm very passionate about that because people are not as resilient as we expect them to be. It's like, and like I said before, what social media does is, okay, if I'm dealing with something and I need some type of healing, and let's say I'm crawling forward and I'm just trying, I'm, every day I wake up, I'm just crawling, but I'm watching this person run and I'm watching this person, how they take things head on, but they're, they're walking with their chest out. I look at it as, I'm glad that you're crawling because you can, you can not, you could be going backwards. You could actually be standing still and not getting, and not fighting every day to be better. And, and I think, I think that's why I wanted to approach this head on is because it's this weird expectation that the shit we've gone through, 100% of, of the kids lose their innocence because of adults, because of the fact that our generation are ba is basically, especially when people shit on millennials like, oh, well, y'all have this and doing this and having this. We are still dealing with the pressures to make things better for things that in our minds should have been better a long time ago. You know, like we're still we're still taking on challenges that we that we look at history and say, oh man, that's crazy. In history, fifty years ago, they're dealing with that, and we're still dealing with that shit now, right? And and to me, it, it becomes this unnecessary pressure that we have to save the world. We can't. We have to. We have to correct the mistake of our parents. We have to correct the mistakes of this country. Like it's just this constant battle. And then one thing we you know we we, we get frustrated on social media is the way people think. And we're trying to save our lives. We're trying to save everybody else's lives. And we just want to help people that we're close with. And it just, it's just so overwhelming. It is, it's so overwelming. And then when we have kids, like BR uh, Blue talked about, we talked about growing up 
is when you your relationship with your dad and if it's something's lacking and all the things that you're learning we're learning on the fly all this shit we're learning on the fly me about to be a husband and eventually be a dad i'm going to be learning on the fly yeah you know what i mean like i have my mom and things like that and i have the lessons but there are a lot of things that the role i play in and so in the value i have in my life i am learning this shit on the fly so more likely if people see how i am about things the laws is not fucked up or anything i'm gonna be judged for well you should have did this as a man it's like yo i'm still trying to figure this out for myself so how the fuck i'm gonna teach someone else about these things and so it, it's it, it just everything i hear it just i i really had to get that one off just in yoga <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're still talking about social media, right? Yeah, social media and uh, how you not let it overwhelm you. I turn my notifications off. Like, and then I tuck my, my app, like, in a folder and on the last page of that folder. So if I want to check Facebook, I really got to check Facebook. Like, I really got to go search for it. And that's helped a lot because I got tired of people that I know personally just talking about putting all their business on Facebook. I can't do it. Like I'm always kind of cryptic about how I post things. My son's not all over the place, but motherfuckers know I got a son. <laughs> you know, uh, just know that I'm a good father. Um, I just don't post them all the time. I don't post a lot of my personal business. I go through a lot, but I don't. You don't always see that on my timeline. You know, I kind of keep a lot of that stuff close to the vest. But like a couple of the other artists have said here, it's a delicate line that you got to walk because we got to play that game, whether we want to or not. We have to throw content out there and you got to be somewhat, you know, uh, visible until you get to a point where you can be like a Kendrick or a J. Cole where you, you drop where you want to, where you got a whole team that's running your social media. But for right now, it's me. And I try to just post maybe, you know, my links, all my guys link. If I see you share it, I'm going to share it. Go watch your video for a couple seconds, you know, so you get the view count and, uh, then just log off, go do what I do, go learn some stuff, go read some stuff and go work out. That's pretty much it. I try not to be on it all day so that it doesn't affect me. All right. All right, we're gonna go with Moon Sparkle. I, 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 think I didn't get the name, I totally forgot already, but I say, I'm calling you Moon Sparkle because it's the name, so, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I accept that. All right, so I'm um, <laughs> I like everything that I've heard that Vivian said. That's things I've used um, to help me with uh, social media. Um, I do like cleanses where I just take time off of social media. What I did, one thing I did is I went through and filtered my social media to make sure that I was seeing everything positive. Um, no offense to like my friends who were posting like all their business, but I just had to filter. So every time if I do attempt to look at my social media, I'm always seeing something positive. So that helps me. Um, but pretty much I follow some of the things that people said before me. And um, the other guy, I can't think his name, but I like how he said his mom taught him that there was, you know, the re reality, the spiritual realm, and then social media realm. Because that's something that I'm learning new that that is, you are being exposed to information and you got to go and pick it apart for yourself to even see if it's something that you want to take in. So um, that, and I try to be mindful of who I'm accepting requests from just to see like what their intentions and their integrity or who they are as like a person before I even attempt to like follow that person. But that's about it. All right. How about you, Lewis? What's up? Sorry. No, uh, 
uh, social media, you know, the role plays in your life and what, the mental wellness and uh, the ways, you know, the ways you don't let it overwhelm you? Um, shit, I'm, I'm realizing I need to stay my ass off of it. Uh, it, it seemed like, it seemed like a black hole. It seemed like, um, nothing good comes from it. You know, um, I, I'm trying to put, you know, a lot of my focus in the, you know, working out, um, listen to a lot of audio books and stuff like that because, you know, um, it's so easy to, you know, uh, swipe over and uh, let's see what's going on on the, on the news feed on, on Facebook, you know, but it's just a distraction. It's, it's such a distraction. All right. And how about you, Oscar? I've actually, um, I think it was, let's see, do, 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 do. Billy. Yeah, Billy was talking about like the spirituality and so was Moon Sparkle. Uh, I've gone on this like spiritual journey of just getting to know myself better. Um, social media hasn't really been like a priority in this time, the last like, I want to say four or five months. Um, it's it's just like you, you got to know I guess you got to know yourself to be able to understand like what your goals and your priorities are and social media like isn't a priority for me at this time just because um, I am a filmmaker and you know I do produce a lot of different types of projects and things like that but uh, right now like that's not part of my 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 job if you will so like if if it has nothing to do with like what I'm working on right now um I don't really go on there uh updates and stuff like that I use like <coughs> news that is centered around my profession so I'll go on deadline or I'll go on you know variety or you know like entertainment type of news and things like that but I won't go on there you know like Facebook and stuff like that to like scroll and see what other people are saying and stuff like that it's more like it's more oriented towards like specific purposeful things. Um, so I find myself, it's worked for me just because I like to, you know, instead of trying to figure out like what someone's doing on a Friday night or something like that, it's like, okay, what am I doing on a Friday night? You know what I mean? Um, and also like, what are the people that I'm affecting doing on a Friday night? Um, and then just grow from within and then outwards. That's how I've approached this. I like so that. yeah, rock with that. Um, so this one, I, I want to. I'm combining these together somewhat. But what's interesting about all of us is, even though we have our own issues and the things we're trying to figure out, it's interesting that others might be going something, and we be the first ones to go help the next person and not focus on ourselves, right? Uh, you know, sometimes it help us get through things. Like, look, I'm dealing with this shit but I'm gonna help my friend go through this or I'm gonna give him advice and more likely probably won't follow it on, our own advice, right? But um, I, the reason why I wanna blend a few things is some people said the things they did when it comes to social media, but I wanna kind of get into like the hobbies, helping others, maybe the hobbies and also your expectations. Uh, when you're in a relationship, like, okay, you meet someone, you feel like this is a great person, you might have your flaws, you're dealing with some things and being in relationships can be interesting because 
usually in relationships you end up meet, meeting the representation of that person and the more you get to know that person they are really going through some things and so you know you have the cases where you're dating someone dealing with some things and so you 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 spend so much time trying to make that person better you end up emptying your tank working on yourself Rose. Yeah. Right, Rose too. Can you hear me? Okay. All right. So, but, but uh, just I, I really want to get to this part. Um, like the hobbies, more of the you know, because some of you said some things, but kind of the olive branch, and maybe others can feed off that. Oh, I want to try that. Tell me, what do you do for that? How can I do what you do? I want to do that, but also your expectations mm -hmm. for your family, your friends, and also. Uh, your loved ones, because, all right, for example, um, a lot of my friends are Pisces, and I don't know why this really matters, so I have a homeboy here that he was going through some things, right, and he just stayed at mm -hmm. home, and so we mm -hmm. all work together for DJ stuff, my homeboy AJ, you know, he got to know my homeboy a little bit, and he called his phone, and we want to talk to him about some stuff, but he didn't answer his phone, so he called me like, yo, man, what the fuck is wrong with Trey, dog, he answered his phone, and for me, I know him, so I know, like, hey, he just want to be at home, he want to hang out, you know, he just want to be to himself, so on occasion, I might drop by and say hi and probably get him out the house, but, that you know, he knows that his, if, like, our friends that know that, look, if I'm not talking to y'all, if I'm not, you know, communicating, and, I, you know, I don't hit y'all back up, I, it's nothing wrong, it's not anything against y'all, it's I'm dealing with stuff. So I know that you have to deal with that for the people you know, especially when it comes to loved ones or someone you're living with. So what are your expectations from your family members? Because, you know, sometimes your mom and dad don't understand when you're going through things because they always had it worse. But, uh, you know, what are your expectations for, you know, people like your family or your friends or your significant other? Uh, I'm going to start out with Billy on this one. Man, great, great question. Um... There's so many things running through my mind as I troubleshoot this question. I think when you ask me what are my expectations for my family, so I think of my wife, right? Um, my wife, this, I, I hate the way this is going to sound, but my wife, I'm not responsible for my wife's happiness, right? And she's not responsible for my happiness. Like, we don't live in that world where I come home from work and it's like, I got to make my wife happy. Like that's, that, that doesn't run through my mind. Um, she's responsible for her happiness and I'm responsible for mine. And I, and, and that means we have two kids together. So I, I, I owe it to her to make sure that she's getting personal time so she can continue to do things that make her happy. And she owes it to me to make sure that I'm getting whatever time I need to make sure that I can be happy as well. Right. And we've got to figure out that balance between the both of us. Um, so my expectations is she's being transparent with me and she's being honest with me and telling me what she needs to continue to be happy. And then uh, when we come together, that's when we're at our best, right? And we can travel the world. We can do what we like to do, overcome any kind of obstacles. Um, and and I, so I guess the expectation would be transparency and honesty to, to get what she needs. Um, I want to hit on what Nat said earlier, because I think there's this, con there's this big idea, right? Like uh, when we talk about therapy, I, I think of therapy like world-class athletes and, and we're and it's becoming more important because like we spoke about we're in this world of social media so we have an added layer of stress on on all of us 
And we're not, with the added layer of stress, we're not doing anything to defend ourselves. And if you think of world-class athletes, and I'm sorry that I use sports analogies and athletes, but if you think of world-class athletes, to be a world-class athlete, you have to practice. Every world-class athlete in the world has practice. And they, they, Michael Jordan, anybody, Michael Phelps, anybody has been in the gym, been in their craft for hours a day. And I think if we want to be world-class lovers, if we want to be world-class spouses, if we want to be world-class parents, then we have to practice and we have to take care of our mental health uh, for ourselves so we can be that world-class parent for, uh, for, our, for our people who are in our loved lives. And for some people, like Nat expressed, it's therapy. Therapy is that practice. For some people, it might be the gym. For some people, it might be going out for a run. And for some people, heck, it might be smoking some weed or cigarettes. I don't know, right? And that's not for me to judge. But whatever you need to do to make sure that your mental health is on point, you've got to figure out how to do it and how to do it in a productive way. So um, it benefits your mental health overall. So for me, that mm -hmm. and, and to, to sum it up, for me, man, uh, it, it's a lot. Like I find therapy a lot in a... It's going to sound weird, but I find therapy in, in, in my weight journey, like in my, in my working out journey, that works for me. It doesn't work for everyone, but that works for me. Um, I also find a lot of peace when I'm, when I'm with nature. And I, sometimes I feel like being with nature is being with God. Um, and, and for me, you know, I find a lot of peace in that. My, my mother would tell you she found a lot of peace every Sunday going to church. And that, that wasn't my experience. I didn't find peace there. So it just, it, it just depends on that individual person. So, um, you know, that, that would be my best answer to that question. All right, how about you, Hayward? I'm going to scroll up and down on that. I'm sorry, can you, because, I mean, uh, he has, uh, Billy has such a good point. I wanted to kind of get like a recap, quick recap of the question, so I can make sure to sort of, you know. Oh, just the expectations when it comes to, uh, you know, friends, uh, your significant others, things like that, just when it comes to your wellness. And um, I'll just give an example that when you're going through something, and you have these people around you, they just, they still have all these things, expect all these things, and you're just trying to figure things out. And obviously that means that you, you hope that, you know, you just have expectations out of people. They hope they're sensitive enough to kind of let you breathe and figure some things out about yourself. You know, yeah, process. I mean, as far as how you can lean on them or get advice or... Yeah, or just what you have, yeah, that and what you expect out of others in the process. Okay. So this is my process. Um, I'd say, and this is probably maybe a little different or radical, but I don't really follow advice from anyone who isn't have credibility in a particular area that I would want to be at. You know, so for instance, like, okay, if I'm going to go get relationship advice, am I going to talk to my friend who I love from college, high school, but they've been single forever versus maybe a couple's been married 10, 15 years. And same thing when it comes to like, you know, diet, when it comes to business, there's different areas where sometimes just because we knew them forever, you know, we just think that, okay, they come to this with this question, they come to this with that. But then a lot of times we end up getting advice from people that may not have the credibility in an area. They love us, they have the best intentions, but they may not be speaking from maybe a place of limitation as far as what they know and how they could really serve us, you know? And same thing with me. Like, I'm not the person you come to for relationship advice. I'm still single, I'm still figuring it out, going into my 30s. So I'm not gonna like talk to Billy and say, Billy asked me a question like, yeah, you know, my wife, you know, she had, you know, I was struggling with it about this. I'm like, I'm not the good person to ask, bro. Because I know like, when it comes to integrity, I don't have the credibility in that area, so who am I? 
you know. So I feel like a lot of people, we get caught up on, well, they, you know, my homegirl, she was on the phone talking about this, and I told her she should do that, and vice versa. So I'm just very, a lot more conscious about, like, curating people that I know, like, you know, I, I could get advice from. So their their finances might be shot. They've been married for, you know, 20-some years. <laughs> so somehow that part's working for them, even though they need help in finance. So I'll speak with them about that. So that's kind of my mentality. And, um, and yeah, just surrounding myself with people with credibility in that area. Yeah, so... Yeah, since first you say that, like, <laughs> you go to somebody and you see what they marry, like, man, what should I do? It's like, I don't know. You need to leave her to be on the streets with me. Cause there's so much out here, you miss that off. <laughs> exactly. So he'll talk you out of he'll talk you out of that marriage. <laughs> Cause your homeboy always at the club every night. You, so. you drunk all the milk. You see, if you were single, you had to worry about. You drink all the milk like me. Anyway, uh, so um, yeah, let's see the screen change a little bit. So, Lewis, uh, how about you, man? What are your expectations? But before y'all start, I gotta go, y'all. Uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, everybody. This is, you know, good conversation. Appreciate it. All right, man. You be safe out here. Hey, yo, Ed. All right, yeah. What's up? Smooth, bro. All right. What up, what up? All right, man. You ain't shit. All right, All right. My, my biggest expectations, I mean, like, if, if you see somebody going through something, you know, uh, I guess acknowledge it. You know, you ain't got to be all in their business, but acknowledge it. You know, um, quick story. I, there was a carrier at my station, and his mother passed. He was going through, you know, some, some issues, whatever. He, he kind of uh, packed up and and went like down south or whatever. He was on some Dave Chappelle, you know, going to Africa shit. But um, everybody cracking jokes and all, oh, you know, he don't want his job, this, that, and the other. And it's like, look, like y'all, y'all think this is funny, but my man's is going through something, you know. Like I'm my brother's keeper, you know. I don't know what you think, but you know, it it ain't cool. You making jokes if you know, dude, thinking about you know taking his life or. You know, he just, he can't deal with it or whatever, you know. Um, yeah, it's, it's, be aware of the man next door, you know. Uh, acknowledge it. Shit real. And, and, oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, if you want to interject, my bad. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So, so just to kind of like, like before we move on to like a bunch of other things, I think, uh, Philly, I love your Jay-Z quote over here. Because it goes with something that I actually wrote down. I'm a person who writes down everything. I'm usually organized. I think we're the generation that doesn't, that we're a generation of not knowing, and I'll emphasize on that, but we're also the generation of knowing what's not. Like, we now know, like, hey, if you're mad, don't go home and beat your wife. We know that, you know? I think we're now a generation who acknowledges so much more, but we're still like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do in a situation because I don't like what my parents did or I don't like what this person's parents did or how we handled things in the past. How am I going to do it now? How am I going to do it different to where it helps grow my family and helps grow my spouse, etc. And I think with that, we need to reach out our, to our, like, our resources and then our resources become our therapy. So like resources, it's like, okay, I'm going to reach out to, for me, 
I always go to therapist. I'm like, don't know what to do with my spouse with this situation. I'm gonna reach out to a spouse, soul therapy. There's a word for them. Can't think about it. Couples therapy. Um, or, you know, we have so many resources now, which I think it's amazing. It's like we can go to a community center and find it there, or we can do something with our spouse, do tennis, do whatever. And then that becomes your therapy. That becomes a new thing for you. And now you've developed a way to to help your spouse and that's and that also helps with our expectations because you know unless we communicate we we will always assume and my mother has always told me you never assume because once you assume then you're you're pretty much putting yourself and your family up for failure you know so it's like you know we have to find our resources really look into ourselves and be like i think this is what i want to do let's talk about it we can try it out. If not, we'll move on to the next thing. Like we are in a world now where luckily, I mean, it's kind of all fucked up, but luckily we can still, like we know so much more. And then I think we need to take that and run with it and be like, then let's do even better. So yeah, before we went off to anything else. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you said that because you, you mentioned like sometimes do things like couple therapy and tennis. Cause I ain't gonna lie to you when Sarah pissed me off. I want to get her on a basketball course so I can cross her over. <laughs> but that's good. Let her know it's real. <laughs> Say, break the ankles. Like, yeah, I ain't gonna cut you out, but I give you this work on the basketball court. But yeah. anyway, uh, so Blue, how about you? <laughs> and, um, and, well, before you start, Blue, I think um, I, I've known Blue for so long and everything. And uh, I'm not gonna lie to you, senior year of high school. When uh, they had like you know how they have like the, uh, the visits of the different branches of the military, and so at lunchtime, uh, Blue walk up, and he's walking around with a uh, what a lanyard, and I'm like, yo, what's the live for? Yeah, I'm about to enlist. Fam, we supposed to be going to college, fam. What are you talking about? <laughs> you ain't going to the navy. Hey, throw that away. But uh, and I, but I, but over the years, I always understood why he did it. You know, like that was the best option for him. Uh, because of circumstances and things like that. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to praise you. And uh, I, over the years, man, 15 years ago, I didn't understand, but I understand now. And uh, everything yeah. you've been through that and all the reflection you've done. I appreciate you, man. And you are, you already know that. It's, you know, so this this was an interesting question. I like the way that Billy, Billy answered it. <laughs> he said, I don't know if people might like this or not, but, you know, my wife's happiness is not my responsibility. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I like that. Why do I like that? For a couple reasons. Um, I'm somebody like, for the people who know me here, um, y'all know that I'm like a big giver. I'm a, I'm a giver type. So if somebody just naturally meets me, they'll be like, well, Blue wants you to be happy. Like, they're like he's, he's like that because he wants to see you smile and be happy. But I like how Billy said it. It's not, I, I know that it's not my responsibility, but I also, pointing out to what Mo said, I learned a lot in the military. And one of them is, um, uh, you know, like, my responsibility is just to myself. But if I can get that straight, other people can, quote unquote, benefit from it. And it's, it's been that simple for my whole life, but it hasn't been as um, accessible. So through the military, it taught me how to do that a little bit. Relationships that I've had, it taught me that in a, in a bunch of ways because this expectation question 
to me, it, it hits home when I'm thinking about relationships, like the um, girlfriend, boyfriend, like, or spouse relationship. Because it's crazy how just when that title comes into play, that I just noticed in my whole life, when that title comes into play, most know my first girlfriend, when that title <laughs> comes into play, a bunch of expectations come with it. And they can be kind of like um, what, you know, going back to, I love what Billy said. It's like, I'm expected to make you happy when we both are doing, we're trying, we're trying something here. So saying that I need to make you happy is, is, is one thing. When I noticed that the pressure was on men a lot in relationships of like making the woman happy, blah, 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 when, um, and somebody else here knows this. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I was, no, I'm not going to call this out. I'm, I'm going to text first. Okay, so when the expectation is put on the man, I noticed for me, me being like a giver and a good dude, so to speak, I was like, well, what am I doing wrong? Like my whole life, right? And I was like, I cannot put this type of energy on no one else. So I made it a point to make sure that I'm not expecting my, my homeboy Mo to make me happy. I'm not expecting Oscar, who's been my business partner um, for X amount of years to make, to make me happy. Um, you know, it's, I made it a point <laughs> because of, you know, just me growing up and just being aware. So my very spiritual answer here is, um, you know, I, I, I've notched out some values in life. I, I, I just call it this. I say honesty, loyalty, respect, vulnerability, and transparency. If we just have this, and I don't even expect it. I just say, if I find it, I'm going to make sure, like, that's an attraction to me. That's somebody I want at least by my side. Because once again, if you know me as a giver, um, I can't dismiss no one. It's very hard for me to be like, that person doesn't deserve a, a smile. Like, everybody deserves it. They're going through their evolutionary stage. It's not for me to say, like, you, you need to be here or not. So I put no expectations on nothing. <laughs> but I do have a value system that I had to create boundaries for me because, once again, as people here, some people know here, any type of person can be around me. And I've had people, I've had friends stealing from me, but I, because I know me and I know I can like how much I can handle, they stayed around. But you know, some of my honest friends, they didn't like that. So then they would fight. <laughs> so, you know, I just created a value system and I keep the ones on this value system. Who's ever honest, loyal, respectful, vulnerable, and transparent. I like that energy around me. Otherwise I just go, well, thank you. And this is who Blue Yogi is. If you can grab something off of me, grab it. But if not, it's okay. <laughs> All right. How about you, Oscar? Yeah, I'm right there with uh, Blue. We, we have conversations almost every day about this kind of stuff. And it's, it's really like I've gotten to a place where I've understood that like when you – when you have an expectation on someone, whether it be like I, I was uh, like seeking a lot of my life, like trying to figure things out, like what, what am I doing wrong? Like why doesn't why don't relationships like work? And, and what is it that's like wrong with me? And it's, it's funny how like we point ourselves, like we want to blame ourselves, but we also want to blame other things. And so what I found with like expectations, it's just the the word itself is. is is like when you think expectation it's like oh i think like limit 
like okay or like i need something from you right or i need something from some myself and it really puts you in a place where like you now have an obligation to something and i think that if we just allow people be like just who they are and show us exactly like the way that they are instead of having expectations we'll get a much better result in in anything and like i've been doing this thing where it's like okay i have no expectations and just like unconditional love for everybody no matter what like there's nothing on this planet that anybody can do that will make me not like feel like i like i can't empathize with them like i can't understand them or love them and so you know i go around and like i'll i'll say hi to people and just like randomly on the street and people some people are like yo what's wrong with this dude like he's super happy all the time and this one guy was just like, yo, why are, you, why are you smiling at me? And I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I just think that, you know, it's a good day. And he's like, do you know me? And I'm like, no, I don't know you, but like, you know, good to meet you. <laughs> he's like, why are you laughing at me? And I'm like, I'm not laughing at you, man. I just, I love life. I swear, like, that's it. He's like, you love life? And I was like, yeah, man, like, that's it. I was just, I'm just happy to be alive. And he's like, oh, okay. He's like, you don't know me? I was like, nah. He's like, dang. He's, he's just like kind of walked away like all confused and I was like I don't know what it was like if it was something that he was dealing with you know personally or maybe like something that was taught in the past it's like oh like you know people just can't be happy um so like, again with expectation it's like if I would have expected him to just know that like I wasn't laughing at him and just been like wow well, no what you talking about like you know it could have been an altercation or something but you know instead of just being truthful and being like yo man I'm just excited to be alive and he just took it like well damn that's, that's kind of weird but i can't get mad at that <laughs> um so you know with expectations it's 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 more like just knowing yourself again and and uh back to what louis was saying uh you know acknowledge people a lot of the times like just someone might just want to be heard you know someone might just want to be listen to um i know i know that was the case with you know the people that i grew up with um they felt like everything was wrong with them and they had like they were in and out of like sessions and therapy and stuff and i was just like dude you you're okay <laughs> you know ain't nothing wrong with you it's just it's just a different a different journey for everybody so you know just accept and be empathetic versus you know having expectations is what i say yeah, before I go to Asia, something that you mentioned is I've I've had to learn even now being in a relationship I'm in is everyone sometimes what ends up happening even if it's through social media anything else or just meeting people is it tends to become this competition of who had it worse and that's not really the greatest thing like there's some people who grew up a decent middle class lifestyle and let's say they have a few things happen in their life and it's the worst thing that ever happened to them. You know, just because I've been through some shit, like, oh, man, you you know what I've been through. It's like their level, what they're going through is the worst of what they dealt with. The worst of what somebody else did with it might be like, oh, that's nothing. That's a good day, right? And sometimes we project that on other people, um, you know, because, you know, and I, I feel like that, that tend to be a mistake. Now, I know that every day when we talk about social media earlier, the toughest thing to see is when people go through things and other people call them out and say, oh, man, what you going through ain't a big deal. Probably a big deal to that person. Now, sometimes you might assume that maybe thinking it might be over-exaggerating, just trying to get attention. But I try to treat every situation. And I've met people who 
you might have questions about <laughs> how extreme it is or do they do it for attention. But I treat every situation as serious as I can because one thing you can't come back from is the extreme. The ultimate ending is some people are willing to take their lives. And even if you felt like on a Tuesday, it was like, yeah, they sound like they wasn't serious about it and they take their life on Wednesday, you're going to be sitting there looking back and have a lot of regrets of what you could have done. And I feel like that's one thing you don't want to live with. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, so how about you, Aisha? Expectations and stuff like that. Um, it's interesting that you ask this because I've been recently struggling with this. Because in the friend part. So I'm one of those friends that gives better advice than I receive. And... <laughs> And it's like, it gets to me sometimes. Like, I feel like my friends can come to me and I will listen and I will, you know, provide insight. <laughs> and I will call it like I see it. I'm, I'm not really a sugar coater either. Um, and that has generally been um, appreciated from their standpoint, as far as I know. They haven't told me they don't appreciate it, but they have told me they do. But when it's my turn and I need somebody to like, you know, reciprocate some some insight, I get the, oh, that sucks. <laughs> it's just like, you got anything else for me? <laughs> and one of my other uh, friends, she told me that I need to just like be out, outright and say, okay, I need for you, when I tell you this, I need to talk about this and I need for you to like, provide some insight or, t or tell me what you think and rather than me just expecting it because I give it so willingly and other people don't I guess um so yeah that's something I've been trying to work on because you know you just realize everybody doesn't move like you they don't look at situations like you they don't you know look at a situation think okay well they need me to just shut up and listen or they just need me to provide some sort of you know advice or insight or whatever so yeah i've been going through that and realizing that i need to speak up um as far as for my relationship i agree wholeheartedly with uh billy yeah my man is not responsible for my happiness and i, I i'm not responsible for his <laughs> um, <laughs> that come like happiness your true happiness comes from within and your partner is supposed to be an added happiness or an added asset or and a, a <laughs> just this you know this extra wonderness of your life or whatever but um as far as i need him to be the source of my happiness that's just that doesn't make any sense. Like, <laughs> like I, I don't understand people that move around like that. That doesn't make any sense. If you can't be happy by yourself or alone with yourself, then you damn sure can't be happy with somebody else. Um, so, yeah. So, as far as my expect expectations in our relationship, it's uh, communication. That's always been a big thing for me. Um, uh, I'm not one of those, I'm not one of those, if, say, you know how a lot of people say, uh, what's wrong with you, and they say nothing, <laughs> and you're supposed to, like, 
figure it out, I'm no. If you tell me nothing, I'm I'm. It's gonna be nothing until you say <laughs> what it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's just <laughs> like that's how I roll because I again it's me realizing how other people move around because I'm not one of those that will say nothing. If something's wrong, I'll say it. Um, but I also know with him that like he'll tell me like I just need a moment. Like okay, I'll give you that moment. And you come to me whenever you are ready to speak about it. But I, I do believe in talking about shit. Maybe that's the Gemini in me. I don't know. But you got to talk this shit out. Like, you can't let it fester. <laughs> I don't believe in things fester. But, um, yeah, that part of my, my relationship is good. And, I mean, he's good at giving advice. So... When the friends fail, I got him. But yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, I, I see what the, what's interesting about communication and giving advice is I think uh, it starts with trust, knowing that it's always coming from a good place. You know, uh, even if it becomes criticism, like somebody, like we know we have friends that be straight up fucking up, but you'd be like, look, fam, you fuck it up. And then I say, oh, what you trying to say? They look at it like, damn, really, man? Like, you, and, and people sometimes need that. And same thing with relationships. Like, I say all the time, like, Sarah does not benefit me from shitting on her or talking down to her because it doesn't, it doesn't benefit her, but it doesn't benefit me. I'm not going to get all the love that she wants to give to me, how she feel for me by shitting on her or downing her a certain way. It, it, would, it would affect her mind, her body, and her soul. And I don't want, that's for anyone I've ever come across. Like, I want that person to be themselves, and I want them to be the best version of themselves. But if I, if I and I, I'm not really, I don't like drama, I don't like criticism. Like, I'm not, it's not really my thing. Like, I, I hate it. Because it's unfortunate, like, you know, because everybody takes it differently. You know, um, I can open up and say, look, I'm big, right? So, if people come to me and say, hey, Ramon, man, you're a little too fat. You see me? It's just like, shit. But if they say, Ramon, I want you to be healthier because I want you to live a long time. I don't want, I've known people who died in their mid-40s. I don't want them to be you. It's like, oh, shit. That, see how that sounds different? They're just saying it straight up. And so I feel like in relationships, I, I, the reason why I have this issue with this because it's not benefiting what we're trying to get to in our lives and the love we have for each other. This is going to ruin what we have. The way you are acting is affecting yourself, is affecting others. And I feel like sometimes people, you know, it's needed. It, it is like, it's very, it's very essential because I've learned the hard way that sometimes you might tell your significant other something that no one's ever told it before. And it's like, yo, they've been letting you get away with this shit for a long time. You know what I mean? Like, you never heard this shit before. You know what I mean? You're like, yo, I, I haven't been, I just met you this long ago. You was 135 years old when I met you. You try to tell me that nobody else told you this? So that tends to happen sometimes. Uh, hey, hey, Ramon. Ramon. Um, yeah. Oh, go ahead, yeah. Uh, awesome stuff. I do have to head out, but oh. I appreciate meeting everybody. Appreciate you, Blue, for connecting me. And I wanted to just be in kind of the, the, the A nerd type, just how Blue kind of gets fulfillment off you know, making people feel lovey-dovey. I'm big on just resources. So uh, first thing I want to share with you guys before I head out, um, if you guys follow on Instagram, his name is David McCuller. Uh, I'm from Detroit, like I mentioned in the D, and he was the founder of Detroit's first mental health uh, gym. All right, uh, built around mental health and everything like that. 
Um, so I'm going to just pop his Instagram in the chat. And then also a quote that I heard as far as like everything we've been talking about, especially social media, um, it's called self-love is a cure for self-hate. And it's this video by Ty, uh, from Tyrese. And it's like part of this like black excellence series that they do. So I just want to kind of give that to you guys as well. Um, and then other than that, guys, I want to, I'm going to connect blue, blue. I'm going to connect with you later. Cause I feel like between you and also Ramon, anybody else who wants to participate, there's definitely another project I actually got, uh, actually just got approved for that we're piloting and I want to get you guys involved, you know? So, uh, I'll talk with you more blue about that. Cause this is really great. I'm sorry. I got to head out, but I will be in touch blue. And then me, you, and Ramon can connect on that project, all right? Yeah, please Thank do. So please much. do. All right, y'all. Have a good one. Thanks. All right, mate. Be safe out here. All right. I need to go, too. All right, Aisha. Check the news. All right, you be safe, Aisha. Thank you for attending. Bye. I'll catch you later. All right. Uh, does anyone else want to leave? Uh <laughs> <laughs> No, Philip's uh, like, can I come out now? <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I'm like, no, Philip, you stay in your room. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I, I, I wanted to say this while Asia was in here, and you and you spoke a little bit about it, but uh, it's so interesting when when she she used the example of uh, it's hard to get good advice. Like she she's the she's the giver in all of her relationships, and she's the one who can give the 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 best advice, and. It's something that I, there's a couple things that I've read, right, throughout my life, like with helping build teams. And one of those books that I've read was this book called Strength Finders. Every high level leader in every company has read Strength Finders. It's, it's a book that tells you your top five strengths out of like 300 strengths. Um, if they tell you your top five. And then after they tell you your top five strengths, they put you on a color chart. So you've got green, red, yellow, and blue. And they all mean something different. Well, what's interesting, and as I take that into my personal life, is I've realized I'm in the green, I'm in the green wheel, right? Most of my strengths make me a green leader, which means personal relationships are very important to me. That's how I lead through personal relationships. And if I have four friends and all of their strengths are green, then I'm not going to get the people who are in the red category. And red is usually those people who are really direct. Yellow are the people who are like, hey, include me. I just want to play. I just want to go in the most. And then blue are the people who are like, I need the details to everything. Now, this is under the leadership guys, right? But I think it's super important for us to realize, like, we could have the greatest friends. But if they're not, if we don't have a good variety and a good diversity of friends, then we can't be the best versions of ourselves when, it's, when we're seeking feedback. And so it's super interesting, like if you just sit down and write all your friends, right, and say, what is this friend really strong at? And what can I get from this friend for it to, to fill my cup emotionally or spiritually or whatever it is? We, we have to start being a little bit more strategic for the people we have in our inner circles, because like that will help complete us. And sometimes we have one person with the same train of thought four different times. And that's okay. You can be friends with all those people. I'm not saying lose those friends, but who are you including in your circle so you can diversify your group? Because you can't change somebody who's green and ask them to be red. It's not, it's not fair to them. So sometimes we have to seek out those relationships. So basically you try to say if you yellow, get the fuck out of my life. Hey, listen, I tell you, I got no room for no more green people. I got a lot of green people in my life. If you green, we could be cool, but I need some red. <laughs> And if you got that green, I don't know anything about <laughs> that. Uh, <laughs> um, could I, can I piggyback off of what 
Billy, I think that's Billy was saying. When um, I heard him speaking, for me, I thought about, um, I'm really big on affirmation. So an affirmation that I love to say is that I am my own best friend. So I remember being in a space where I did have like a team of people who I would go to, probably the blue, yellow, green people. And I felt a lot like Asian where I wasn't getting good advice or I was giving out and they weren't giving back. But when I think about myself as being my own best friend, a lot of times um, when it's issues with me, I like to spend time with me and meditate or figure out what it is that I need. I don't go a lot outside of myself to get too much advice. And then with relationships with people, I'm learning to do the same thing. I don't want to go talk to another person about who I'm in a relationship with because that's like they could project some stuff. So I'm just finding it's my best relationships are the relationship that exists with only me and that person. Yeah, yeah I think it's really important. Um, you know, sometimes we tend to, it's good to have a variety because you never know what you'll take from each individual person. I've been fortunate, like, it's interesting when it comes to friendships and relationships and even family. Like, you really can't choose who your family members are. Like, you can't. But what's interesting about people and what they deal with is you can't choose who your family members are. But you can choose who your friends are and who you decide to be with as your significant other. And I feel like people have to be reminded of that because there are some people who they, they consistently, and sometimes it's a judge of character. Sometimes they feel like, you know, they, they don't understand that that type of person that they think they need in their life is not the best person that should be around them. And I think people kind of just need to be reminded that, like, you know, when you, it can be your choice that you decide to be around those type of people or you choose who, you, who to be with. And you can, that's why it's great to have the type of friends you have to kind of let you know you know, as long as it's reasonable and not judgmental, because, you know, people have issues like I might have a friend that might not like like another friend, and they'll just based off the fact that they got a big head, and they don't like big-headed people. But it, it's like you see that they are detriment to your life, and you see they don't have no value to who you are, or they're not trying to get, even if they don't, even if they not, they don't have value to get to you to the next level, at least they're not dragging you down. You know, I think people tend to feel, realize that, that there are people in your life that you, you don't need all the time. I need this person to be in my life so they help me get to the next level. Not everybody, they're still trying to figure out where they at in their life. They're still trying to get to a certain level of life. As long as they don't drag you down, as long as they not grab you by the waist and you trying to run for the touchdown. You know, like, like it, it just, I, I think it's important to, to remember those things. And, uh, yeah, so um, I ain't gonna lie to you, Billy, man. You out here with the, uh, you out here bar centric. You know what I'm saying? You out here, <laughs> you beady seagulls with the bars. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so. <laughs> uh, you, you just happen to call on me first. That's all. I'm all. Uh, <laughs> all right. How about you, Oscar? Uh, expectations and I. I think I, I got to you, right, Oscar? All right. Hey, am I missing anyone? Was it Natalie? Oh, um, yeah. I, I think that's pretty much it on the questioning. Like I know, I said a power hour, but it was I unexpected. There's more people than I thought, but this was uh, great. Um, but overall, like, I, I think this is just a great time um, just to let all of you know that you are not alone. You're not, you know, uh, everybody's story is different, but it still stems from the same place. Um, and I feel like, you know, while every day we might have statuses about the shenanigans going on, I know 
someone said that everything that's going on with uh, coronavirus and how people are acting is affecting their anxiety. It, ma it makes you nervous how stupid people are, you know, how ignorant people are, you know, especially for someone like me or other people where I can't even walk out in the street without somebody feeling like they got to fuck with me. You know, that creates an anxiety alone. Like, I, don't, I ain't lying. I don't want to leave the house. I don't want to drive to Houston. Because like, every day I'm, I'm sitting there like, somebody going to fuck me up on this road because, like, we don't want to live life that way. But I feel like it's just important, and I wanted to keep it light without people, you know, telling what all the things they've been through to where they are now. I just wanted to kind of just like, exchange and really get an idea that you're not alone, number one. And number two, the different things that you can do that help, you know, sometimes people feel like, oh, I'm dealing with these things. I'm going to stay on social media because social media is going to make it better. And somebody said, no, turn that shit off. He's like, oh, shit. I didn't think of that. You know, like something small like that can really help. Um, you know, I, I still plan on sticking around because, you know, I, I – I kind of chop it up with somebody about some Jordan stuff, but realistically, um, you know, if everybody, if y'all want to leave, you go ahead, leave, get stepping. <laughs> no, but uh, so uh, once again, hey, uh, uh, Mo, Mo, yeah, Mo. Um, so a few things. I don't know if my connection is gonna be good. I got the the Nelly Wi-Fi right now, but um, <laughs> you got you. I need you to lick your lips. Cause they dry like you've been kissing donuts. It's <laughs> been bothering me like the whole video, fam. Oh my bad, my bad. <laughs> it's, and there's it's also the life, like man. hair. I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you some trimmers. It's a hair like creeping into your mouth, and I just wanna. <laughs> I was about to grab my clippers and just like tap the screen right quick. <laughs> no, I have a couple. I know you can taste it, and you just kept going like you couldn't taste it. Yeah, I'm I know trying you to fix it. Hey, my whiskers, dog. My whiskers out here tripping. Now, I wanted to cut it, but I yeah. said I'm going to go how long without it. Like, I'm telling you. No, nah, man, got... you're, you're like Rasputin right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I got the, the, the biker mustache. You know, we go over the lips and the extra wife to give him a kiss. <laughs> you, um, you like thug number two from Streets of Rage. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so before I was really uh, – Ribbed on, you know what I'm <laughs> but uh, yeah, once again, everybody came through. Um, I I'm glad everybody kind of, you know, I wish you can go forever. Uh, I, but also, just make sure you follow each other and check everyone out. Man, people have really great things to say. You are not alone, you're never going to be alone. There's always someone that's willing to help you and reach out. And you know, even without telling your life story, like, yo, I went through this in 2010, just you know, people always like it doesn't matter what you went through. When it comes to like, it not as matter, but everybody's story is different. But this is something that can help, and every little thing that you you can utilize can really do some great things for you. So, um, once again, y'all have a great day. Y'all be safe out in the streets. Um, yeah, get money. Thank you, Ramon, for putting this together. And I feel like, oh, sure. at least for me, I feel like this was like a type of therapy. And I brought the Ramon. You haven't. You've never met my baby, which is a shame. But here's Lily. Hi, what up? She's already four months, dude, and you haven't met her. Look how big she is. Yeah, no, I know. I ain't gonna lie. By the time this COVID ends, she could be 18 and graduate. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh man, I remember when she was born when this all first started. We still in the house and she graduated. We are. <laughs> she has not met people, which is good. I mean, right now we're not trying to meet anybody. But Look, I ain't gonna lie to you. I'm telling you right now, she got people trash. She don't need to beat them. <laughs> I'm trash. Right. She don't need to beat me. <laughs> it's all good. We miss you. Philip misses you. We miss everybody over there. I will say, Thank share you everybody this for our
right. All right, y'all, man. Y'all take care. If y'all want to stick on, because uh, I, I want to rant to somebody about this Jordan bomb. <laughs> <laughs> all right, buddy. Uh, all right, y'all. Y'all take care. Bye. It was right. nice to see everyone. I got 1% left. All right. Hey, yo, Billy. All right, dude. What's up, King? All right. So, since you – you about to get off, right? Because I just want to ask you what you think about the Jordan doc real quick. Man, I loved it, man. I thought it was amazing. I, but the, the thing is, you're a true sports guy. I'm a true sports guy. We didn't learn anything, you know? I actually did. I, it, did you it, did? I did, yes. Okay, what'd you I, learn? Okay, so the thing about it was before I left Markey, I was doing sports broadcasting. And I, yeah. am a, I am a huge advocate of the process. I, what goes in your mind? What is your mentality? And everybody just – most people, they still can't comprehend what's on the floor or on the field. But I like – what people don't realize, and I think people have misinterpreted, was Jordan in general seems like a good dude. He said, look, I have to – He even with the Steve Kerr situation, he's like, look, when you've been through – and all the pressures that he has to deal with when it comes to him winning and people go up against – I'm hard on you in practice because the Knicks ain't going to let you slide like this. You know what I'm saying? The, 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 the Pistons is not going to let you slide like this. Yeah. So that's why those players, when they went out and went against those dudes, they went against the Pistons and the Knicks and the Jazz, and Sonics, all tough, strong defensive teams. It was easy to them. Why? Because they had Jordan on their ass. Now, I'm not saying you be disrespectful because I'm not really the, I got to cuss you out to, you know, get your point across person. But he was saying like, look, if I understand this is not for everyone, but if this, I put this on my back because I want everyone to enjoy the the fruits of being successful, being a champion, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like people have found ways to conveniently just act like there wasn't it wasn't a reason for that. Not like not I've always said not everybody's gonna be LeBron James, but I bet you LeBron James sometimes he wish he wasn't LeBron James. Only because if you see throughout LeBron James' career, he's a nice guy. He get look at LeBron James is so good. We let him get away with the fact that he let Tristan Thompson Thompson get an eighty million dollar contract, which it really wasn't worth, it, right? But I, I think that even the, the, what we based our opinions about Jordan based off a of narrative of what we thought we heard over the last twenty to thirty years. If they if Jordan came out and said, look. I said he would people were saying a year before he retired in '93, he said, I'm mentally and emotionally tired. I kind of want to retire. And then your dad gets murdered. And it's not even the fact that your dad gets murdered. It's the fact people was like, Yeah, your dad got murdered. It could be your fault. What kind of shit? That's the irresponsibility. Like somebody yeah. said this. Somebody said that if the media, let's say if you have a reporter, said Jordan dad was murdered, let's do some investigation and find out what could be the cause of this. But it wasn't that. People was just throwing it out there like it could be tossed, it could be tied in him and his gambling, even though early in the episode you see Jordan paid his dues. Jordan, when he owed that dude all that money who got caught up in court, it was a check, all his money. So you can see Jordan wasn't a dude that, like it wasn't a Charles Barkley situation. You know, Jordan just, and the thing, it, it just to me, if you already didn't like the dude, you was going to find reasons like, oh, see, I didn't like this. And I, I'm thinking to myself, like, like he said, you probably feel some way because you never won before. You don't – Jordan, he – it, it reminded me of when I was watching the Dave Chappelle thing when Dave Chappelle's mom was like, 
you have to be the lamb so you can be the sheep. You could be. You have to be the lion so you can be the the the, the lamb you really are. Some shit, yeah, yeah. right? You could tell about Jordan. He grew up in the country. You know, he he listened to R and B before games. He wasn't like Jordan's only a few years younger than Magic. So even when Jordan became, he was the top in the hip hop era. People thought, oh, he's one of us. Jordan grew up in Carolina in the sixties and seventies, Sam. What like he was listening to R and B and disco and all and all these other things when he hit the league in 84. And I, I just feel like this to me is a reminder that like all these things that you wanted to push your insecurities on him of being on top of the world and all the pressures of he's like this first superstar athlete from it's all these things happen in one. He's able to give a perspective, even with the flu game. You're not, you're not going to like my perspective. All right. You're not going to like my, pers- my point of view on this because this is my thing. I got to be careful with what I say because I see your recordings and, and you see what's on my chest. So I got to be careful. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, but um, Michael, no, you can say whatever you want. Yeah. yeah. Mike, Michael Jordan, <clears throat> I will say he's the greatest basketball player. He's the greatest winner of all time. Now, he's the greatest winner of all time. Now, when you talk about the actual basketball player, to say you're the best basketball player to ever play basketball, that's a huge statement, right? And, and, and it's hard to say, like, Michael Johnson was the fastest runner of all time, but we evolved. And now Usain Bolt is the fastest runner. And in 10 years, I guarantee you, because the way that we evolve, Usain Bolt will not be the fastest runner of all time. People evolve, and for somebody uh, generations ago to still be considered the best, even though the game has evolved, shows to me that there's something more, right? So for, for, for my theory, I got this running theory with Michael Jordan. I, I love him. I think he's great. I got this running theory. I think Michael Jordan is so, so first of all, it was 90, so it was peak sports area. I think we associate Michael Jordan with winning in manhood so much that when we threaten that position, we're threatened what we grew up on as being an alpha male, as being a winner, as being a pusher. We threaten that ideology and, and people push back to that, right? He was a great basketball player, but if he played in today's NBA, I don't, like, I'm just going to be honest. The game has changed so much. And I'm not saying he's not a great winner, so I'm not taking away from that. But I think people, we have an emotional reaction where people say Michael Jordan would not produce in today's NBA the way he produced in There's an emotional reaction because we've attached him to every ideology of winning we've ever had. Like, that's just, it, 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 that's just what it is for Michael, right? He's an icon. He's bigger than a sport. Michael Jordan is literally an emotion. When, you, when you're a kid, when you were a child and you were playing basketball, you were thinking you were Jordan. And some kid is going to think that they, are, they were Kobe at one point in time. And, and that, that ideology is <laughs> But for us, we guard Michael Jordan with everything that we have because he is so much bigger than sport. But to say, like, he's the – one – we, you even just defended him being a jerk. Like, he, yeah. he punched Steve Kerr, right? That's – I get it. We're pushing for greatness. I get Kerr it. did say Kerr, – <laughs> Kerr, Kerr did say. Like, don't get me wrong. Kerr, Kerr said it, it like, made the relationship better. But no, no, come Kerr, on, man. That's not scared. great leadership. Kerr said – Kerr did say in practice, sometimes I get so mad and riled up. Jordan said – and Kerr was like, look, Kerr hit me in my chest. And then I hit him back. Listen, we been, point, ain't punched Bill Cartwright though. <laughs> I don't know, but see, you know, you know, it's interesting though. Even with like, uh, it, it, I or I know Oakley. people, I know people are directly, yeah. yeah, no, hell no, not openly. 
Oakley wouldn't punch Oakley. Um, <laughs> That's what I'm so, saying. He knew who to mess with. Yeah. But 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 after but he afterwards he did say, "Look, I was like, yo, why am I?" He it, to me the biggest problem is it's not like his mistakes kind of you know, cataclysmic, like, the people that we know that's in jail right now. Jordan's like, look, why did I punch the smallest dude on the team? I'm glad he, he, he pushed back and he was a stand-up to me. That's why he said I called him, I told him, I apologized, things like that. People looking at him like, oh, he did it. You ever think every, everybody do, you know, in his case, it's not like he did some, you know. I just feel, even with Scottie Pippen, and it was like, was, did Scottie Pippen have a bad look on the, in the documentary? The reason why I was sitting there tripping, like, yo, what it have to do with the, the story of Jordan Doc? I was thinking to myself, okay, this happened in uh, 1990 in Game 7. This happened when Jordan was on the team with the Tony Kukoc situation. This what happened back in 98 going into the season when it comes to foot surgery. It wasn't the fact that Jordan – it wasn't the fact this documentary by Jason Healer was like this just happened and Scotty had nothing to say about it. Scotty even said it himself, 98, I didn't want to mess up my summer with the contract. You know, I came from a, a poor background. I wanted to make sure I had stability after my, my injuries. Back with the whole situation with the Tony Kukoc situation, you know, I was upset. I thought this was going to happen. He made the game with a shot in the locker room. We shed a tear. Would I do it again? Yeah, I'll probably do it again. That was all Scotty. Scotty said that. It wasn't that was just fabricated and made up. That was something that Scotty admitted to it. So everything about this to me, number one, I will say, all that shit that people talk about, how today's players are sensitive, all everybody, every look at if you talk to Rock Kim and LL Cool J and somebody talk about their rap ability back in the nineties, they would react yeah. the same way artists would today if they had social media. It's no different. It's it, it's literally just humans evolve. We survive. We right. have, we we have the same tendencies. Survive. Yes. Yeah. It just they have the same tendencies of how to respond because if that was the case, a lot of them rap beef. We, fam, I don't. There hasn't. We had Tupac and Biggie. Two people died over people in their feelings. You know what I mean? Like, so it's not like it, every people involved naturally, but the same tendencies is going to happen to how people react and how they feel about shit. I just, it, it's, I, I enjoy it because, you know, watching Jordan and how when he first came to the league, you could tell he was a Southern kid, he had his mom and dad, and people was like, he was snitching on the situation where everybody in the grandma knew in the 80s, everybody was on, everybody was on that booger sugar, and everything else back in the NBA in the 80s and early 90s, right? And Jordan just, Jordan's able, he was a private dude. He's always, and it's like, now with all this shit coming out, I was like, I see why celebrities are private. Because y'all can't comprehend shit. Y'all keep begging for us to, 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 to open up and be real like Kevin Durant. I like Kevin Durant because one thing he will always do is, he's always just letting you know what's on his mind and how he feel. And yeah. media love, because if, if, if Kevin Durant was fake, or he wasn't authentic to how he felt, he would be shitted on for not being authentic. 100%. But then when he's saying, look, I feel like this, I'm on social media, you can tell he just want to play basketball and shoot the shit with other people. I rock with that. Like, I don't mind that. You know, and I just feel like... But let me tell you this, Ramon. First of all, you're in a can't-win world, like, when you're, when you're, yeah, you're an not, athlete. Yeah. But if Michael Jordan... Can you imagine if Michael Jordan took the same attitude he had in the 90s, this win-it-all-cost win attitude, which I love, right? It's a part of my identity as a, as a leader today. If he had that same attitude and he was punching people in the chest, he was, he was going hard at the rest, whatever he was doing, he would, they, the social media would rip him apart. His name would be Draymond Green. He would not be who he is as a leader 
today it just it wouldn't work. It doesn't work because yes. we evolved as a society. We evolved, yeah, and, and what we consider acceptable now, we didn't consider acceptable in the night. I don't think he would have been doing it if if he if he happened to be in this time frame. I would hope that he has the right smarts to not. <laughs> it was during that time because, like, just to just to point out to what Mo said, I I haven't seen the documentary yet. I actually want to see it even more now that I'm listening to you, motherfuckers. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so basically, what Mo said earlier it's like when when you're part of something, you know, like myself as an actor. When I was acting, I'm not acting no more. I'm a spiritual coach, so I got to be on my uh, you know, a. But when I'm an actor. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> like anytime I heard the word actor, did something happened in me to where I'm like, if you're gonna say that you deserve to call yourself an actor, like I just look at it as a gladiator. Like Mike, he was in basketball. He's going, no, I'm just like what Mo said, it's not for everybody. And that's how he went acting. I'm not talking like this for the ones who's like thinking they want to be an actor. I'm talking like this for the ones who's like, I'm a fucking actor and I want, you know, it's yeah. a different, it's a you know, I get amped, as you can see, I get amped when I'm talking about acting. So if I'm going around somebody else in that field, I, I might talk a little, a little, you know, um, uh, what I what I do on the court when I'm playing basketball sometimes, which is friendly competition. I'd be like, man, you suck. Man. But then when you're on my team, guess what, man? Hey, hey, you know you're the best one out here, except when you're not on my team, but let's go. <laughs> so, you know, it has that mentality, like, you know, but I think I think anybody I don't know you know whatever you doing I, I would hope that you like that with whatever you say you love like I, I want you to be like that just so I can I want to learn from you now like I can teach you anything about acting come to me yeah. <laughs> but outside of that you know in spirituality like consciousness you know those are my two things outside of that you know <laughs> I, you know whatever um, well see like, at the end, at the end of episode seven really hit different like seven and eight was so different dog because it was like. All these years we assumed all this shit. Seven, he was like, look, this is what I do. And he was getting emotional. He was like, like, that's when you love what you do. This is when you're, you, and I think what's different now is people assume because you have all these athletic dudes. It's like, man, Jordan played today. He'd be Zach Levine. And it's like, no, because if you kind of think about it, if all these athletic dudes was as skillful as they are, guess what they all be? Really fucking good instead of bench players. And, and I, I like it's just one of those things. Like I, you have to look at the circumstances of the time, and even at that, people comparing. Like I'm not saying that people if today wouldn't thrive back then, but I will say that you have to take terms of Bird and Magic was wearing Converse. You know what I mean? Like the the, the, the technology was different. The, I was even I was listening to something where they said Larry Bird didn't practice shooting threes at all. Yeah, because I was listening to an interview with Ray Allen. He said, "In my career, if I was, you know, I was out here getting to layups and I was shooting mid-range shots, but if I shot like two threes in a row, I felt like I was settling. That that was the mentality that was different. So people people keep shitting on the people of the past and how oh, if they play today, be different. No, you have to look at if they, you took the exact same person, exact same mentality in the approach, and then the information." And then you put them in today's times. If you took the medicine we have, hey, Jordan, just to let you know, uh, we're going to work our triangle system. With a, we're going to be shooting a lot of threes. Then Tony Kukoc would be a max, a max player. Like Bill Winnington wouldn't be in the league, and Jordan would still be good, even with the changes of how you play defense. I just think that – I think I, it's always been insulting towards me with me because people can't 
comprehend these things like I feel like I can. Like, most people, I think, watch basketball in 2003. I think that's when most people start watching it, back in 03 when Jordan came, I mean, when LeBron came to the league. All right, Oscar, you take care, man. King, peace. And uh, I think that's when people start. And so when you – because I've been – I've been basketball I, – I was – my dad was locked up. <laughs> I transitioned in this. But my dad was locked up. And I remember being in the conversion van, driving to see my dad. And I was like, what, five, six years old. And I remember that – I remember when the Bulls won the finals when John Paxson made that shot because my grandfather had it playing in the fucking van. You know what I mean? I, that's the type of shit. That's what that – like, even now, after watching that, I was like, I don't have many regrets, but I kind of wish I could continue with sports broadcasting. I kind of wish I just did the ESPN radio thing I was trying to go to before I moved to Houston. I kind of wish I just followed with the basketball recruiting and coaching. Well, do that's it my now. shit. Do it, do yeah, it. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So that, but also right now, that's why this whole content thing to me so much because I love storytelling. I love getting people together to express the things like listen to Jason here, even with the whole uh, the flu story. He's on Jalen and Jacoby after, right afterwards, and they asked him, look, we don't believe this whole flu game. He said straight up, no. That's exactly what was kind of told some stuff he had to take out. He said, look, they was at the hotel. Because uh, they told a story about these guys walk up to the door, blah, blah, blah. They was at the hotel. Jordan was mad at his security and trainers because they went to dinner without him. Yeah, so nobody so, pizza. So, yeah, they, they went to dinner without him, but it was late. Jordan was super hungry. He said, look, y'all better order me some because I'm hungry as hell. They was in the outskirts where Utah is, so they got a pizza. When the trainer opened the door and said, the dude's at the pizza, it was a uh, it was dude's at the door to get the pizza. When they got the pizza, Jordan spit on the pizza. like nobody else getting pizza. I'm just eating. And then that's why it was a story about he was the only one who ate the pizza. He did that shit that sometimes people are like, oh, no, this is my shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, we still in high school. Well, I didn't do that because I ain't trash like that. But, um, <laughs> and that's the story behind it. Like, I just, I just think that we've been living off this myth of, or in, in the legend of Jordan, of this mythical creature that everything that we thought or whispers we heard, when you find out the real, people still didn't want to believe that. And it's like, I understand why he's private. People, why he include his kid? Why include his wife? Fam, we were just trying to find out Jordan's career and what he'd been through between 83 and 2000 uh, and, and, and 1998. You know what I'm saying? And I, I just feel like that was, it was amazing. Like, I, I don't even cry at shit. Fam, I was shedding a tear. Even Steve Kerr, fam. Steve Kerr's dad. You know, like that, that, I think that says a lot about Steve Kerr and how Steve Kerr is very open. He's very, uh, very open-minded. He's he's very political savvy in certain subjects. Like you can tell, that shit is taught. To be Steve Kerr, that shit you can tell by his mom and dad and the way they were compared to other people that we we hope wouldn't think that way, but they grew up in a certain neighborhood and a certain lifestyle to be how they are. Like that, I don't know. I know I'm just talking, but yeah, that was great. <laughs> well, you said you wanted to rent. <laughs> yeah. But, but oh y'all, I got um I, I, I got a book club every Tuesday just in case y'all um you know feel like jumping on. It's every Tuesday, but I missed yesterday because I was in LA, so I'm gonna do it right after this. I gotta do it in an hour. But read, nigga. Let's read. But I appreciate y'all, man. Thank you for letting me get that off. Um and y'all y'all be safe, take care, man. And I have other ideas and things like that. I'm trying to figure out maybe take a week off, but I really thank you. I appreciate y'all. Yeah, man. Hey, Mo, I'll chop it up with you if you want me to. All right, man. Just give me a quick second.